Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long-term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking a lot about social media, and in particular Instagram. And I find Instagram to be very interesting in that it can't be scheduled. <laughs> and so for me, Instagram doesn't work for my life because I'm inconsistent when it comes to what time I start work, what time I get off work, when I would have time to be on there. And I found that me being inconsistent was hurting the feelings of some of the people who were following us. And that made me feel sad. So I just, yeah, Instagram's not my jam. So now we are consistently not posting. <laughs> well, we did do our goodbye post that yes. we're doing other things. But for me to do Instagram... Instagram is two and a half hours uh, just for me to post something because posting and hashtags and then responding to the comments and reading the DMs and, and all of that. And I just, I honestly don't have two and a half hours on any given day that I can specifically devote to Instagram. Especially not at the same time of day. Yeah. And so for me, that made Instagram more work than fun. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't really feel because like I was enjoying like posting flower pictures from like on my ride to work and I was enjoying posting food pictures because I think I make ugly food that tastes really good and fruit and just like I was really enjoying posting the things that we were posting, but the it just felt so high pressured. Like what people very wanted. Very serious business. Right? And I'm like, it's social media. It's not supposed to be that serious. What was your Instagram experience? It was pretty much the same. I'm not even necessarily awake at the same times each day. And it was just a lot of, I don't know, noise. Noise? What do you mean by that? I mean, there wasn't a lot of signal. There was a lot of noise. So some people would post once a day or whatever. But then certain hashtags were on, like, flowers. I think there was one place that was posting, like, 300 pictures a day. Wow. That was using the same hashtag. Wow. And so if I was trying to be nice and give people likes for their pictures and scrolling through the timeline, you know, 300 pictures of, like, the same place advertising their floral business. Yeah. I'm just, I'm no. That's yeah, I did. I had the same thing. I didn't. Some of the people we were following would post like in between three and ten pictures a day, and I just felt like I wasn't. I would. I felt like I couldn't actually scroll through our timeline and right. connect. I would have to go to people's pages to connect with them, and I was posting once a day, and I wasn't even posting seven days a week, so it felt like a lot. Just every aspect of Instagram felt like work to me. Like every single ask, there wasn't any aspect that felt like fun. And then I also, I don't know the Instagram's culture because some people like for you to like and comment. Some people don't want you to comment. And so it would be a trip to me when I would like write a nice comment that I thought was supportive and they would delete it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess you don't like comments on your photos. So it just, I don't know. I felt like a lot of rigmarole. And I'm not, I don't enjoy taking pictures. I don't enjoy photography. Right. I guess for me, it feels like, and having worked in tech, I know this is the case, 
they programmed the features so that you would have to use it in a certain way. Yes. So not being able to upload pictures from my computer was a huge pain in the butt. And only being able to do it on my iPad was a huge pain in the butt. Right. And even on the iPad, you weren't technically supposed to be able to do that. We had to download the iPhone version of that. Yeah. It's a very exclusive club and there are ways to work around it. But each way is more painful than the last. Yeah, I don't have a smartphone, so I think that's part of the reason why Instagram isn't as fun for me, because I can't just whip out my phone and take a picture. Well, I mean, I could, but I have like a flip phone. You have a flip phone, and, <clears throat> and you don't answer it ever, and it spends a majority of its time off because it's for people to leave messages. You yeah. call on it, you return messages, but you don't have it on during your sessions. Yeah, I never have it on during sessions. And you don't have it on at home. Correct. So the only times that I think you use your phone are if you're calling me between sessions. Yeah. Or if you're calling somebody who's left a voice message for you. Yeah. And then to make it more complex, it's your message, your voice on the outgoing message. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I don't actually have a... I had a personal phone and a business phone for years. And then I found that I just don't talk on the phone very much unless no. it's you're like the only person... You and Rasta, our son Rasta, are the only people I really call regularly. Well, and if you're going to talk for that long, then just either, you know, come home if you're not home. <laughs> or Rasta should come here if he's not here because he's only a few minutes away. Well, because he's my office manager, I do talk to him a lot throughout the day as clients' needs arise. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that he takes care of for my clients. That's and, what I'm saying. Those yeah. are short conversations. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> hopefully. So I'm not bagging on Instagram and I'm not anti-Instagram. I think if I had an iPhone that I would be more into it because it seems to be like it's it's made for a smartphone. Like it is made for a smartphone. They, they a intentionally program things to make it so that you can't use it without a smartphone. Okay, so for me, the reason that I'm not getting a smartphone is because I have an iPad. And a smartphone is just more technology than I need in a phone. Yes. I find. And I'm not a big phone person, so... And I don't enjoy texting. So, for me, like, the biggest benefit of a smartphone, to me and for me, would be the ability to text. Right. And I don't enjoy text. I enjoy email, and I enjoy um, talking on the phone. Talking in person is my most favorite. Well, I mean, I know that computers had like just started to become available, personal computers, when I was young. But had they invented the alphabet yet when you were? <laughs> so for me, personal computers were not a thing until I was 30. Like in my 20s, personal computers were not a thing. I remember getting my first uh, email address. It was a Yahoo account, Kiss Me Too. And I was 27 or 28 at the time. Yeah, I think that was the wide availability of the internet. Because yeah. the internet became widely available in 1995, which I know because I was at the first internet conference ever, which was the Netscape conference. It was so boring. <laughs> I went to the St. Francis and watched a movie during part of it. Screamers, in case you care. Sci-fi movie. Streamers? Screamers. Oh, Screamers. Okay. Yeah. Sci-fi movie. Is that those things that tunnel? Yeah, that, that's the one. Okay. So 
but I mean, a lot of the stuff that's being reinvented, you know, chatting and things in what, 92, I was on the university's system using a program called talk where you could do the same thing, but it was only available to people basically in university or who had some connection. I had to sign a thing promising that I would never use the internet to make money. (laughs) And so that's my other thing with, with Instagram. It seems like for me, the competitiveness, because when we're on Instagram, people would comment a lot about how many followers we have. I think we have like, I don't know, a couple thousand. So in between a thousand and 4,000, I don't know. But um, for me, that was strange, like, because that wasn't what I was doing on Instagram. What I was doing on Instagram was just messing around and sharing our interest. And one of my hobbies is, which I didn't talk about during our hobby thing, but I like to ride around the neighborhoods, especially um, on the way from our house to my office, because they have so many really, really cute, what I think of as porch gardens, Mm -hmm. where they just have tons of flowers on their front porch, which is so Japanese, because I never saw that in the United States, because everybody had a front yard. Right. And in Japan, they have like maybe, maybe a foot of space in front of their home, and they would fill that those 12 inches of space with flowers. I think that's so cool. And then there's also like this, uh, several parking lots that have dirt mm-hmm. and they line the parking lot with flowers. And then there's a cute temple that has, you know, really pretty blossoming trees. So I felt like taking the the different paths that I would ride to work and taking pictures of the different flowers, I was celebrating the uh, garden enthusiast on Instagram. It makes me think about how it's interesting what's designated as a park here because we live near what's called Yada Park 2 and it is literally a space big enough for about 10 people to stand and a drinking fountain. And that's the park. So there are tons of parks from here to the office. Right. And one of them is like the size of a, a parking lot for a car, parking space for a car. And it has a couple of uneven bars and a bench yeah, and no grass. So for me, that was like the biggest culture shock thing was the fact that the parks here in Japan do not have grass. Most of them do not have grass. No, neither do the schoolyards. Right. And so that was quite surprising. I remember Rasta and I were out driving the other day and I saw we passed two parks with grass. And oh I was my like, goodness. oh my gosh, make a mental note. This is so awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing... So Rasta's young, not ready for children, but I am so like mentally preparing like grandma notes. Like, okay, I need a park with grass because it just wouldn't feel right for me to take my grandbaby to a park that didn't have grass. Mm-hmm. Let's go play in the dirt. Well, I loved playing in the dirt when I was little. So I don't know if you have water. I loved making mud pies and mud cakes. So that's like really fun. So I guess that would depend on who he marries and whether or not she's okay with kids getting dirty. Mm. But then I guess I could low key like take them somewhere. They could make mud pies and then bring them back to my house and hose them off and put them in clean clothes if she's anti-dirty kids. Yeah, we have a hose on the balcony. (laughs) And I think that's like, I know people who are like, don't get the kids dirty. And I'm like, that's no fun. It's <laughs> fun if you can't get dirty. 
So with Instagram, it just feels like hyper competitive. And then I'm a huge, huge YouTube fanatic. I watch YouTube every day. I absolutely love YouTube. And one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube are people faking things on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, wow, are you kidding me? You're like, the latest one I watched was somebody faking being on vacation in Europe for a week. I think I heard that one when you were watching it. Yeah, and they did like a really great job of it, and they fooled uh, most of their Instagram followers. But that just seemed so weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is people pretending to be rich on Instagram, which I find very interesting. Like they spend all of this time pretending to be rich to get followers so that they can become an influencer so that they can become rich. Yes. And I was like, what? So they're spending between 15 and uh, between 10 and 15 hours a day on Instagram. And I'm just like, I don't want social media to be a job. Yeah. So I think of YouTube as social media. Do you? Yes. And I absolutely love YouTube. And I have two YouTube channels with no videos on them. Um, I don't know why I have YouTube, two YouTube channels. I think YouTube... No, I think you've got one video. You have an intro video for your practice. Okay. Yeah, I... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I also have a Christopher Music YouTube channel. I think it was like, I want to say about seven or eight years I, ago. I think that was auto-created because of your Google account. They were experimenting with if you log into YouTube while you're logged into Google, they'll create a YouTube account for you. Yeah, I don't think that was it. Okay. But I totally rock with your theory. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I like it when you rock with my theory when you think it's wrong. Yeah, because I chose the picture that's on mm. my YouTube. Mm. And so I remember YouTube asking me if I want a YouTube channel. Right. And I just said, yeah. So... There's that. And then I have a couple of videos that I'm in on other people's channels. Yes. And you can check those out at themusicsinjapan.com on our website because I have all of my appearances and videos and all of that stuff on there. And I have one math video up. That's my yes. entire YouTube channel is one Which video. Which has like tons and tons of likes. So a couple thousand views. I don't know how many likes. Yeah. I don't know how many, I know how many views. I don't know how many yeah. likes. It had conversation for a while, comments yeah, yeah, for a exactly. while. Yeah. So that's your dissertation video. Right. The video that goes through dissertation, the end nut. Yes. So for me, I love YouTube, but now everybody's like, if you don't have at least this many views on YouTube, you don't matter. And it feels very competitive. And I don't have, and YouTube takes a long, long time to do. So... For me, the main reason I don't have any content on the YouTube channel, because we had played with putting videos of us making this podcast. Yes, we had. Onto YouTube. And I'm like, man, but to like do it right takes whew, eight to 15 hours okay. for one video. Now let's get our ring light. Yeah, we got to get all kinds of equipment. Check the albedo of our walls. <laughs> Anytime you have to use the word albedo, unless you're an astronomer, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So I look at someone like um, Shane Dawson, who I'm a huge Shane Dawson fan, and I think he's just a prolific and successful YouTuber by anyone's standards, especially considering since YouTube 
doesn't promote his videos ever. Like, someone at YouTube has a beef with Shane Dawson, and I don't know why. And then that makes me really nervous. Mm. Like, really? They hated Dawson's Creek that much? (laughs) Well, you look at Shane Dawson, who has, like, I don't know, 8 million, probably over 8 million subscribers by this time and he gets millions of views and he never makes a trending page because somebody doesn't like him and he makes videos about YouTube hates me all the time and so I look at him who's super successful and then I look at all of the scandals he's been involved in and things he's been accused of and people just really attacking him and wanting to destroy him for no other reason than being successful on YouTube Mm -hmm. and that makes me scared of YouTube and then all of the the channels that are dedicated to just drama which hey I enjoy them I watch them nothing against them but I just really don't want people digging around in my panty drawers like that you know yeah looking for a scandal and looking for things so I don't know and I don't want to ever be recognized on the street ever mm-hmm. for anything so I just feel like I'm too private and I enjoy my life and I don't want drama. Well, I feel like YouTube really focuses on the centralization of attention. Yeah. Like, let's make sure that a few people get the majority of the views. So, yeah. you know, you might have one video with 8 billion views and the average video might have, you know, tens of thousands of views, but the median video probably has 10 views. Yeah. You know, you've got a huge numbers of videos that nobody ever watches. Yeah. And so for me, I enjoy like I will search in YouTube all the time videos with no views videos with less than 10 views and even when you do a search where you're like looking for those videos it's really hard to get videos with no views so how social is YouTube for you do you comment do you know I rarely comment I do give a thumbs up quite I do like a lot okay but I don't comment so you give the thumb up approval but you don't comment correct what do you do on YouTube? I almost never watch it. I find it really painful. Okay, why? I just find video in general painful. So. Ooh, wait, I have to give Ants Canada that okay. channel a shout out. It's one of my favorite channels. It is. Rasa turned me on to it, and I love, love, love the channel. It's all about ants. Yeah. And the person used to live in Canada, but now they live, I think, in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But it's a really fun really fun channel and I don't know I love the way I love the sound of his voice and the way he talks okay guys he's super excited about everything that's my imitation of him I don't do impressions but really dig it okay back to what you're saying I'm saying I find video in general difficult so I don't watch a lot of tv you and I have a couple of shows that when they come on we watch them yeah but you notice I don't watch a lot of tv independently like I haven't watched Daredevil season three yet and I don't know if it's been out for a year yet but it's been out for a while yeah even though vincent d'onofrio is one of my favorite actors and i just love his portrayal i just if there's 10 episodes in a show it'll probably take me about a year to finish once i start watching it Mm. so i think it's important for listeners to know that you have watched daredevil season one and two yes that's and you did watch them in under a year you watched season one fairly quickly at a pretty brisk pace. Yeah, you watched think, about one show a day. Yeah. Which for you is your version of binge viewing. Yeah, because it's not any any snobbishness. It's just that 
like I'm not a very visual person and I have problems with uh, epilepsy, my sensitivity of my eyes. And if I don't know what's coming up on the screen, it's a lot harder. So I play a lot of video games. Yeah. But I don't watch a lot of TV. And so I don't view TV as a social media thing. No, it's not. But I do view YouTube as a social media thing. Yeah, there's a whole communities and things that... Yeah. But so it's not communal for me. And right. I wonder, like, should I get involved in the communities? And then I immediately think, no, I don't have time. Yeah, I think it's about what you have time <laughs> for and what you connect with. Like a few years ago, back when I was doing my PhD, I was on Reddit uh-huh. in just the math forum. Okay. So I just, love Reddit. Yeah. So just in the math forum. So I like the math forums. But the other forms were like, I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like, why are you people talking about this? So I absolutely love the Reddit subfeed RuPaul's Drag Race. It's it's a mean subfeed. It's a mean feed. But I enjoy reading it because it has really great spoilers. And I'm a huge spoiler fan. Spoil everything for me. I want to know how things are going to work out to keep me from getting emotionally involved because if I didn't, like, I would find RuPaul's Drag Race painful to watch because I really feel attached to some of the queens. And so if they're going to be eliminated, I want to know before watching so the So you episode. could start letting go before seeing the pain happen. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. I never send anybody hate over RuPaul's Drag Race. And I think if anybody in the fandom is sending hate, they need to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, stop threatening people and stop sending death threats, even if you don't intend to do it. So that's another issue of mine with like the, on Reddit, there are certain things that I'm interested in, but I don't engage because I don't want people to be like, okay, you're a super fan. So we're going to attack you for your opinions about this reality TV show. And I'm just like, it's a reality TV show. And for me, Everybody who's on RuPaul's Drag Race, you're a winner, baby. You know, you immediately get fame because I just think of like, look at Miss Vanjie. Miss Vanjie went home first, but Miss Vanjie was absolutely the most talked about queen on her season. So you can go home first and still be the most famous. And like, look at Porkchop. Porkchop was the first one ever eliminated in season one. And Porkchop is really famous and has multiple crowns for... Um, drag pageants and such. So for me, I find that I have some fear with social media mm-hmm. because of I don't want to be trolled. And so there are certain social media platforms that I view as just being very mean. Yes. And Reddit is one of them. Definitely. Yeah, the math form is not, but a lot of the other forms are because it depends on the moderators. They allow a lot of, la- of latitude. So I think our main social media is twitter yeah and i actively block anybody if i see somebody trolling somebody else i will block them it doesn't with matter with the quickness with a quickness it doesn't matter if they're not trolling me it doesn't matter if they're not trolling anything about either of us yeah like mess with our tweets you're gonna get the block it's not even necessarily about our tweets if i say see somebody make like an uh, anti-transgender remark i'm oh I'm, done i'm, I'm gonna gone. block them because yeah. you know if I see somebody make just hate remarks, I'm going to block them. I'm also going to block people who make those remarks sarcastically. One, because I don't know. And two, because that remark is still out there. So yeah, in person, I sometimes engage in sarcasm. 
I know that. But we never engage in sarcasm about uh, individuals that are trans or individuals who are disabled or people of color. There are certain things that we just don't joke about. Yeah, no, no. So my sarcasm is always sarcastic commiseration, which I yeah. do in person, but I don't do on social media because I know that it's not always taken that way. It's like an in-joke. I don't tell in-jokes on social media. You don't tell what? In-jokes. Okay. So for me, I feel like there are certain things that are off limits to me because it's not my experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm really aware of that. So I limit my commentary to my experience. And I do tweet a lot of LGBT plus tweets and proactive tweets because I am part of that group that is yes. part of part of my end group every once in a while i'll tweet about things that are not part of my experience and i'm always very careful to be respectful when i'm tweeting about those things to not make jokes and to ask questions and if i make a mistake and this is something i wish everybody would learn if you make a mistake just apologize what that's crazy right like if i say something that's offensive or if i misspeak don't come at me with hate but do let me know, hey, that hurt my feelings. And I'll say I'm sorry. I don't get this anti-political correctness group of people that we should just be able to say what we want. Everybody's too easily offended. No. Just no. Right. Because for me, as a black woman who's a mem who's pansexual, I find that I carry a lot of core pain around issues of being black. I carry core pain around issues of being a woman, and I carry core pain of issues around being a member of the LGBT plus community. So if you say something that touches my core pain, and I tell you, hey, dude, that hurt me, don't be a jerk. Just apologize. Don't get offended. Just apologize because I am sharing my experience with you, and I'm trying to educate you. So when somebody comes to me with the energy of of informing me because something that I'm learning a great deal about is ability and disability mm -hmm. and a great deal about um, ableism. And I found that some, I had to really deconstruct my views because there were some views of mine that I did not realize were ableist views. And so having to deconstruct those because they weren't any bias, they were just ignorance things that I just honestly didn't know that were important to other people because I also have disability. But that doesn't mean I know everything about every disability. Right. And I have the same thing when it comes to being a, a proud black woman. If I'm a proud black woman, I identify as black, but there are some of my sisters out there who really who are really hurt if I don't identify as African American being a black woman from America. So for me most times in public I identify as African American because I'm sensitive to their pain mm -hmm. and I'm sensitive to the issues that they're talking about with colorism and feeling that I'm distancing myself from Africa when I'm not. For me not identifying as African American saying that I'm black instead of African American I do now identify as African-American because I understand how painful it is to others if I don't. For me, it was a protest. I was saying that you do not get to restore my country back to me in half steps. Because I am a descendant of slaves, my great-grandfather was freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. You do not get to tell me that I have to claim a continent. Mm -hmm. 
until you can tell me where my people are from, I am not going to let you heal that pain. You are going to see my pain and hear my pain every time you talk to me. You are going to hear that my great-grandfather was freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. You're going to hear that connection to Africa, and you're going to hear that connection to slavery, which is deeply personal for all Black folks in the U.S., at least the Black folks I know. And so I get that being called African-American for some generations is treating them with respect and healing for them. For me, being African-American heals no wounds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't heal anything for me. Being Black heals things for me. And so being able to put my fist up in the air and say, yes, I'm Black and I'm proud, say it loud. For me, I'm blackity Black, Black, Black. But I understand that I don't want to give people who are not black permission to call my sisters black. So therefore, I'm African-American in mixed company. Mm -hmm. So like that big, long thing that I just took people on, there's no way anybody can be aware of that. Just tweeting on social media. And so for me, if someone just tweets at me and they make a mistake. Right then I can share that mistake with them. And I think you have the same experience with ableism. Yeah, I do. And especially with autism. Yes. That a lot of people are talking about the autistic experience and not quite getting it right for you. Yeah, I think most people who are not autistic don't quite get it right. And there are those people who know they're not getting it right and they listen. Yeah. And there are those people who don't know they're getting it not getting it right because it's centered around them and their relationship to somebody who has autism yeah which i think is really sad yeah so i mean there's that schism you know the autistic dark web which is people who don't believe that people like me are actually autistic because i'm able to function in most areas of my life yeah i think that's too bad for them yeah and you know you could read our twitter if you want to <laughs> all the ins and outs of that but i think that unless you find somebody who can speak authoritatively and definitive definitively on a subject it can be hard to know like who's legitimate and who's not yeah and so as an example when i was in high school i read a book called the miseducation of little tree mm-hmm. which was really controversial after it came out because it's about a boy taken off of an Indian reservation. And it was supposedly written by a boy and it was his story. And it yeah. turns out to have been written by a really famous racist. And so something, the way that you just characterize that is interesting. Because for me, saying an Indian reser- reservation, I don't like that language. I like indigenous people, but not... All indigenous people like indigenous people. Right. And so for me, I prefer to identify as Native American or indigenous. I don't identify as Indian ever. Well, and I wouldn't call somebody who is Native American or indigenous or First Nations or Choctaw or whatever they identify as Indian. What I use it for is that Indian reservation is a specific thing set up by the U.S. government as a way to strip the autonomy of the indigenous peoples. Yes. And and so it's not that I would call it. There are people I would call India, Indian, but they're, they're from, from India. They're from India, right. 
And so I just look at how complex identity is. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we're really, if we're willing to be open, then social media can be a fun place for of education. And for me, having always having humility when I'm on social media is so important. Yeah. And I find that Facebook has really helped me out a lot with that, interestingly Mm. enough, because I belong to um, several closed groups. So one of the groups that I, that I belong to is black women in Japan. Hey girls, love my sisters, love all the Queens. And it is such a beautiful, loving and supportive community for black women who live in Japan and they're black women from the Caribbean from South America so we have like Afro-Latinas we have black women from Europe we have just from all over and including Australia so from every every area of the world and there are a lot of individuals with mixed cultures and different cultures and a lot of individuals that have a single culture but the thing that that we all connect with is that somebody in our family came from Africa and right. so and, and sometimes it was them yeah <laughs> yes and so I love 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 the group and it's giving me so much education about what it means to be black mm-hmm. and what it means to be black in Jamaica is very different than what it means to be black in California very different than what it means to be black in the UK and so on and so forth. So I really love getting the mix of all of these beautiful, bright, intelligent women, but we all come in with the understanding that my story is not your story. Yeah. And so therefore the only way I can know your story is to ask. And if I share something that's offensive, please talk to me about it. Don't immediately get angry. Like in the group, there's often conversations about colorism. And Mm -hmm. I own that I am light-skinned. And I own that, unfortunately, that that does give me certain privileges. And there was a thread about that. And some of the ladies were really offended. Some of the fairer complexion because they felt that they were being picked on and I just felt like no this is our sister who's expressing something she's going through and experiencing and asking our opinions about it and our views and so if we can put down our defenses and come together in the spirit of community that's what the black women in Japan group has taught me that always come to the group with the spirit of community sharing and openness and don't think that something is pointed at you unless they at you and say hey this is pointed at you yeah hey Christopher this is what I think about you then I'm like okay that's directed at me right and I find that I had the same experience with my foreign women in business in Japan group which is another closed group on Facebook that I belong to and there are some ladies who have asked, should we open this up to Japanese nationals? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of discussion about that. Like, what is the difference between being a Japanese woman in business in Japan versus being a foreign woman in business? And there's a lot of discussion in the group about, you know, we do... We do allow Japanese uh, women to join the group, but the name is still foreign business and women, uh, foreign women in business, because as a foreign woman who has a business there are things that are unique to my experience. Right. And so it's not exclusive. It is inclusive, but the name really says, you know, what the focus is. And it is mostly foreign women. 
So I love Facebook for the closed groups. And I have currently, I think, four Facebook pages that I run and manage. Mm -hmm. And I don't run them very well. They're not regularly updated. And Well, we have ours, which receives periodic updates. Yeah. And so the one for um, the musics, because we're right. not the musics in Japan on Facebook. We're just the musics. Um, As on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And so that gets automatically updated because I'm able to schedule it. And then mine, um, just mine kissed for music. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when that gets updated. I got updated more when I was doing Instagram. And then I have adjustment guidance and I have adjustment guidance Nagoya therapist. And those get updated once a week, I think, right Yeah, now. and you tried to set up one of them. I don't remember which one. And the other one was set up automatically. But then... Yeah. Facebook gave you control of it when it became clear that, yes, that is your company. Yes. So I set up Adjustment Guidance. Okay. And then they set up Adjustment Guidance Nagoya Therapist. They thought it was a better name than Adjustment Guidance for my Facebook page. Yeah. I tried to merge the two, and they will not let me merge them. So now I'm just whatever, and I run both pages. So I just schedule. Yeah. And I do, like, one post a week, and they're always harassing me. Adjustment guidance fans haven't heard from you in a long time. Like two or three times a week, they send me a message that I need to. Facebook harasses me. They send me messages that I haven't logged in. And they'll, they'll be like, Freddie. I don't think I have any Facebook friends actually named Freddie. So <laughs> Freddie told a story your friends really liked. And I'm like, no, Freddie did not. I know Freddie <laughs> and Freddie did not. Stop lying to me, Facebook. So something that I was really shocked about just last night on Facebook. So anybody who sends Kissed for Music a friend request, I'll just click it and right. say yes. I had no idea that there is hardcore pornography on Facebook. I was like, what? Like full on, like straight up hardcore porn like you can see everything everything porn i didn't know that i i know that i say no to almost nobody so if you send me a friend request and i don't know who you are i will ignore it or delete it or if it's offensive i will block you see and i'll say yes and just accept you as a friend because i'm not doing anything but i used to get a lot of hi i'm 19 and bored and lonely don't you uh, want to see more pictures of me nope i do not no but now i'm getting just straight up porn videos yeah so i i click like i got a friend request and i click sure why not because i click yes on everybody and then i got a private message that was hardcore porn so then i clicked to the person's page because i was just curious like what is this page doing? Because we have like 77 friends in common. So I'm like, okay, 77 other people. Well, who... and that's against, that's against the rules. Not having 77 friends, but pornography is against the rules. On Facebook. But it was a straight up pornographic video. That's just like Pornhub level pornographic video. Mm. And, you know, hey, I love me some porn. I do. As... Yeah, but the keyword is some. Yeah. So, and I like to pick my porn, and this porn wasn't particularly my flavor. Mm -hmm. uh, but I looked at it and I was like, huh. The more interesting thing is, I did not unfriend them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was surprised by my decision to okay, not Okay, that is an interesting them. choice because yeah. I, am, I am block and report. That's me. I'm the block and report guy. But I figured, like, hey, you know, do your thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so hard to make money doing porn these days. 
You know, if you can make some money off of porn on Facebook, I'm like, yeah. Go for it. So I mean, I know there's a lot of bots and things. So I know like our Twitter following. I know that we probably have a couple of thousand bots in there. And I just, because I see our, our follower count sometimes will go up and down by like 50 or 100 in a day. And I think, yeah. okay, people are being blocked or unblocked or whatever. And I know this because when I got my very first email address, because my last name is Music, I used to get, before spam filters improved, between 50 and 100 spams a day Wow. from people associated with the music business trying to get me to buy things. Ah. Uh. So I know that like a lot... I think you posted about some music one time. Yeah. And we got 5,000 followers the next day. Yeah. Because, well, we've got music. Agnes Mo. Oh, yeah, Agnes Mo. Yeah, when I tweet about Agnes Mo, we've we got, can gain a couple thousand followers in a day if I'm tweeting Because we've got Agnes mu- music stuff. in the name. You're tweeting about music. No, it's straight up Agnes Mo bots. Okay. And specific to Agnes Mo. So, because I know there was one time that our Twitter follower was like, it jumped to like above 25,000 yeah. and then fell like 10,000 the next day. Yeah. Like, that, so that was Agnes Mo. Um, Amara La Negra sometimes if I post about her. Because I like to post about underground music or people who haven't broke through in the, the mainstream. Yeah. And a lot of times people will have uh, bots set up for their fans, for their uh idols that they're into so i try to remember to say this on on twitter sometimes that you know we've got a few hundred people that we interact with on a regular basis yeah if you think we should be following you and we're not just let us know yeah i don't auto follow auto follow back i find tweet at us is better than a dm i don't enjoy dms definitely tweet at us about it and it is a shared joint account so you can't just reach chad and we've done that we've done that too (laughs) I tweeted at somebody, hey, when will I be cool enough for you to follow me? And they yeah. tweeted back, I don't, and yeah. followed us. So so two other forms of social media that I want to talk about before we end today, Tumblr. I absolutely love Tumblr. I had a Tumblr account for a while for adjustment guidance. Yeah. And it's still active. I haven't shut it down. Mm-hmm. But I also don't use it and i found that tumblr has turned into for some reason has turned into tumblr after dark i don't know why that that actually changed in december of 2018 they changed the rules okay and it's no longer any adult content allowed uh okay so that shows you how long it's been since i looked at my tumblr right which means probably today i'll look at my tumblr and see what's going on <laughs> but i don't know if i even remember my password and the reason i don't do tumblr is i'm busy so for me a lot of social media kind of fell by the wayside when i started my phd and i had a bunch of coursework to do so i spent the first three years of my phd doing coursework right to finish um and update everything well and i think before that too you you were doing a lot of things to advertise your business including paid advertising yeah. When you are first building your business. And now yeah. you're at the point, which is a great point to be at, that you get enough referrals to replace the people who finish their therapy. Yeah. Finish their therapy and leave Japan. Right. And so I find that Tumblr for me is just too much work and mm-hmm. too time consuming. And then Snapchat came on board after I started my PhD, I want to say. Yeah, I don't even know Snapchat. So I remember Snapchat being that thing that you 
do for porn to send people your bits because they disappear and yeah yeah and then they didn't and people got in trouble but like in terms of just like getting up in the morning and snapchatting not my bag like i don't and then like getting people to uh, just the whole thing of it like who do you follow who would you follow on snapchat and i think that's another smartphone thing because people getting up and taking a video of themselves. Yeah, I don't even know. Because anything visually based, I'm probably not going to be on it. And then there are some social media things that are more specific, like forums and things. I'm on yeah. some writing forums. I used to be on... Oh, my... you're on Medium. Yeah. But I'm I don't on... think you've posted to Medium for a while. I haven't posted to Medium for a while. I post maybe once a month. Because I think less. Medium's awesome. Yeah. I recommend Medium. So I, I, I highly, highly recommend Medium if you're a writer or a poet or a blogger. Yeah, so I know on I our website we have. Yeah. I read on Medium, so. Because I think not everything you write is posted on our website rather than on Medium. Uh, or do you still post on Medium? So essays and things I post to our website. Some other stuff I post on Medium and it gets put in publications. Like I'm in mm. a publication called Disability Acts and then I'll link to it from our website. Okay. So you can always find everything I've written that's not in book form from a link from our website. Yeah. Um, and then I used to participate in Math Overflow when I was in my PhD program, mm-hmm. which was another social. So it's, you know, things come and go. And then something that I kind of think of as social media, but I'm not strictly sure. Well, like Pinterest is social media. I decided a long time ago not to do Pinterest because, uh-huh. again time-consuming and like uh google groups too time-consuming but uh, and some people might get mad but don't get mad um sorry not sorry but i think of like psychology today those types of magazines have really started to feel like social media to me well they have forums and things where people go and chat no i'm saying straight up the articles feel like social media oh yeah because some of the stuff I read, I'm like, that's just been disproven scientifically. That's just scientifically wrong. And for me, I think it's important for people to understand that just because it's in a magazine mm-hmm. or just because the website has a magazine title right. doesn't mean that it's good information. Like WebMD sometimes is spot on and sometimes is completely and wildly inaccurate. Yeah, my toe hurts. I say, you've got the bubonic plague. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and so for me, I feel like being a smart consumer of what's on the internet is super important. So I always look to associations rather than magazines. I don't. Right. So for me, like the American Psychological Association, that's research based. The American Speech and Hearing Association, that's research based. Well, and I talk about this professionally, I guess presentations about this about you know fake journals and predatory yeah. journals and stuff so that's a whole other conversation but yeah i think a lot of things their credibility has gone down as they've tried to find new revenue streams yes because psychology today used to be very much pop psychology it's always been that yeah it always has but it used to be shallow but accurate yes and sometimes it's no longer accurate well, I find, too, that Psychology Today now has the... Because ha- they solicited me to um, submit articles. Uh-huh. And I know you guys are going to be sick of me saying this, but I just don't have enough time right now. And I looked into it to see, like... How much do they pay? <laughs> yes, which is nothing for some contributors. And then 
if you build up so it's just like any other thing if you build up a following and you get so many hits this that and the other then you do get paid so they had solicited me to contribute just so that i could get the byline right and i find that you know if i want a byline for me um nag mag which is a local magazine here is better because i've written tons of articles that have appeared in Nag Mag. Yeah, I, I write for the American Chamber of Commerce Journal. I think my fourth or fifth The American article. Chamber of Commerce Japan. In Japan. Yeah. Their journal. I think my fourth or fifth article is coming out this next month. Whatever yeah, month. And, I don't know. So, and I have, like, I have an interview in Japan Times that I can, that someone, you know, reached out and I contributed to. And so I have other things that are, feel more relevant to my life. But neither the can neither the grocery store nor our condo association has ever accepted bylines as payment. So. <laughs> Correct. And so I don't have the the energy to build up things that aren't passion projects. Yeah. And so I support and salute everyone who's contributing to psychology today. To me, it just feels like another social media forum that people can contribute to that organizes things based on a topic. Well, and that's what I said when we talked about how we make our money is that there are certain things that I'm either doing it for free or I'm fairly expensive, although in line with market rates. Yeah. And so for me, the reason why I'm not doing psychology today is because I'm trying to get my life together and put together some freebies and gives away giveaways on our website, like, you know, different testings mm -hmm. and screening tools and and psychological support tools. And I look at, OK, I could either write an article and post on social media or I could spend my time maintaining the things that I'm passionate about and furthering other things that I want to do. And so for me, giving free, good resources to people is something I'm passionate about. And so, yeah, go to our website and check out what freebies we have going on. <laughs> and you can also find a link to our social media. Yeah. So, you know, follow us on social media. And we hope you enjoyed today's ramble. <laughs> and we hope you come back for our next ramble. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. -S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.